All right, everybody, welcome back to a special edition of the Mind is Your Show from a uh, negative 10 couple feet of snow in Montana with some incredible guests and special guests on today's podcast. And I'm really excited, really honored to do this. And just like normal context, we're jumping right into the meat. And I'm just going to frame this because I know the first question because I tuned into this one. But if you've ever had a question about a book launch about how to make it amazing, how to apply customer journey to it. Um, just get ready because that's where we're gonna start. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good, because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. I have four incredible guests to me today who will be introducing themselves when they come on. And uh, each one is going to be asking me a question uh, so that I can dance, support, add value for you and them. And then each one of them is going to be teaching me and you something in return so that we can be students and masters and learn from their incredible gifts. And so I'm really, really excited. And so Ash is here. You guys know Ash. She's the CEO. She's the one that drives the whole ship here. Or that's the label we give her. I don't know if our labels even do anything. Uh, Ashley and I are just two peas in the same pod and we're stuck together for life. I've We've made that bond commitment. I'm not hijacking her. She's not being held hostage. She is very much excited to be here. I I think she smiled. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're, we're so excited to be here. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. I was, I was, I saw a clip on YouTube this morning uh, from Robert Greene, who wrote the, uh, you know, the 48 laws of power. And he's like, if you ever want to tell how somebody really feels about you, walk up behind them and startle them because that first half a second impression face is how they really feel about you because they're startled. And then the first comment was like, or you just scared the shit out of them. And I was like, yeah, that, that would be me. I don't know if you'd want to look at my face and how I feel about you if you scared me. So yeah, that was where that's context that had nothing to do with the show. So, all right. So our first incredible question, I'm going to just gotta let her unmute herself. I would love it if you could just let them know your name, your magic, and then we'll get right into it. Okay. So my name is Megan Alton. And I am the numerologist. I used to actually be an economist. So I love to say economist turned numerologist. Ooh. I've been teaching and certifying people in numerology for about five years. I'm a business coach. And why I want to talk to you is about the book I'm in the middle of creating. I love it. So tell me, tell me about the book. Kind of give me context. Yeah. So, you know, part of my kind of like beef with numerology is that it's been in a very overly structured containerized way. And one of the ways that I bring my magic to it is the structure is important. Yes. Like anything in life. However, where the magic really lies is when we can bring in the color of our intuition. And so I really teach my clients how to feel the energy of numbers. So yes, there's formulas. Yes, there's structure, but we all have the ability to actually feel energy and the numbers become a language that allows us to interpret and speak that. Mm. So I help people like one of my, my specialties, I guess, is forecasting. So you can understand how energy patterns are flowing through your day, flowing through your year in order to work with the energy versus, you know, kicking and screaming against it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay. So let me just ask this question back to you. So uh, what's the what's the benefit outcome in the book? So they're going to read the book and where does their after state take them? Okay. So the benefit of the book is that they're going to read the book. They're going to learn the structure of how to interpret numbers. They're going to learn the basic formulas that they can do. And then they're also going to learn to develop that relationship with themselves where they can use their own intuition to interpret and speak with the numbers. Like it's a two-way street. Yeah. So people use it to better understand themselves, to better understand their family members, their clients. I've had clients massively heal struggles in their family by learning the codes of their children who were maybe misunderstood or that kind of thing. Um, people yeah. use it with their clients. Anybody who's got 
a relationship-based business, which George, you're going to say is everybody, which I don't disagree. (laughs) (laughs) By better understanding where your skill set lies, where your energy flows and your clients, you can meet each other in a place where you truly see each other. And to me, that's really the goal of the book. Oh God. Oh, okay. I love this. So Megan, you, I want you to dance with me in this. I'm going to answer this at a multitude of levels and kind of use stories. So the way that I'm going to answer this is I'm going to use my cookbook. And I don't know if I've ever talked about this ever. Um, But in the lens of my cookbook, just for context, think of the recipes in the book as the same thing as people understanding, number one, that they could eat paleo, but then number two, how to eat paleo. That was the whole premise of the book, right? So in your lens, it's numerology, right? And so I remember this because in my contract, they made me agree and sign that I could only share 10 recipes of the book for free and then everything else they had to buy the book. And I remember that was the first time I broke my contract because I had a theory. And my theory was, number one, no one wants to buy a cookbook that they don't know what's in it. They've never made a recipe from that person. Boom. Number two, cookbook people are cookbook people. Book people are book people, right? I've never seen anybody print out a Facebook photo of an ingredient list and take it to the shopping store (laughs) or walk into their kitchen with four Facebook posts printed out on their counter. Now, Anomaly, I did see a few of them. I had millions of fans, but my, my, my whole thought was this. I was like, in order for somebody to buy my book, they need to have evidence that they want what's in my book. And if they have to unwrap the book to see that, I can't help them. And so I was like, no, I'm giving away all the best recipes for free. And we got into a massive fight about this because I ended up giving away 30 recipes. And so every time I gave away the recipes, every one of them said the most important thing you can do is learn how to cook paleo and start by eating this recipe. And by the way, this is one of many more. There's others on my blog. And if you want them on your counter, here's the book. And I just had one simple customer journey where they could come get all 30 recipes from the book. And then I would just take them through what was there. And so in doing that, all of them got evidence that like, oh my God, this is good. This is good. And they end up buying the book. And the publisher told me I was crazy, told me I was nuts. Well, they also told me I wasn't going to make the New York Times list. And so when I hit the New York Times list at number 14, he's like, good job. You'll never make it again. Take a picture. Then the next week it was 12, then 11, then 10, then eight, then six, then five, then four, 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 four. And it continued to climb because I just kept giving away the recipes and then more people would make them go buy the books. And so then in the book, I very intentionally made tear outs in the back of the book that were environmental anchors and reminders on how to eat paleo, the favorite recipes in the book and how to use them so they could tear them out, put them on their fridge and install them in their environment. And so on paper, it was like, don't do this. No one's going to buy your book. In actuality, by doing it, it's the only reason everybody bought my book. And so in the lens of marketing it, I didn't have to tell anybody to buy it. I just said, I'll show you. And so I designed a six month podcast tour and I called all my friends and I asked them all to do podcasts with me and they all agreed. And I said, okay, on every podcast, I'm sending everybody to the same place, which is not to buy the book because we're already going to talk about the book. No shit. It's to get the recipes. So they have evidence to buy the book. And so I had each one of those podcast people because I hadn't cashed in any favors, agreed to release those episodes on specific days of specific weeks. And so I had like three episodes drop a week from four weeks before the book launched until about 20 weeks after with all the ones that I did. And so just every day, another podcast would drop and give away those recipes and give away those recipes and people would opt in and then they would download them and eventually buy the book, right? And so the reason I say that is like, people go through phases and in numerology, I love numerology and I understand it through my own lens, but I didn't really understand it until I could see myself in it. Right. I'd heard it. I'd heard of Dan Millman. I'd heard of all this stuff and everybody had told me. 
but it just felt like something outside of me until I was able to truly understand it. Right. And so in awareness phases, like first off is that somebody has to understand and know what numerology is, what benefits it can have for them. Right. And then number two, be able to see themselves in it. Right. Like clearly see where they operate, where they feel, where it could benefit them. And even in mine, in understanding mine, it helped me change my environment, right? But before I could change it, I needed to understand my existence in my environment was there. And then once I was like, holy moly, I can see myself in it, then and only them am I interested in actually doing it, right? And so those are kind of like, at a very high level, the only three phases of awareness that somebody will go into in that world. And of course, somebody will come in aware of numerology and boom, boom, boom. But in that lens, what I think about is books are, are genuinely like one of the most valuable underutilized resources in the world because it's something somebody installs into their environment. And so you want to make it useful and beneficial. And so the way that I think about it in Customer Journey, if I was selling the book, is I know what models and what systems I'm going to teach them in the book. I also know what I'm going to share about them in the book. And so I would probably make like a very short video course on the front with a couple of videos teaching them what numerology is and why it matters for them and then ways in which they can benefit in areas of their life and then teaching them about those areas so maybe they can understand their numerology and then letting them know that the book would be a basically implementation manual for them to follow and so I think about it like somebody has to be interested in going into the gym first before they're interested in being told to do deadlift, bench, and squat, right? And so in my opinion, books are amazing because they are the workout programs that we want people to install. And so in order for them to install it, they need to know what it is and that the workout can benefit them. And so in my opinion, with books, you just kind of create a mini customer journey on the front in whatever way. And so for me, I gave away 30 recipes and then with every recipe went into the same customer journey, teaching them about the importance of paleo, why I benefited, how I just cared about them cooking, whether they bought my book or not. It was like four or five emails. And then that continued to go. And so I think also with the nature of your work, it's a very emotional relationship connected based work. And a lot can be less lost in text. And so I would also consider making a video associated with every chapter that you have where you can give your synopsis, your view, your interpretations almost as a bonus for people as they go through that chapter. And so it creates consumption and endowment on multiple levels and gives people who don't consume books, who might be better at videos, ways to hear and still anchor in that the book is the toolbox, right? And so now all of these things are just becoming resources that you get to utilize on the front or anywhere in your ecosystem to give people to value because every place still leads to the book. And so then use the book as a way to get people from the book back into your ecosystem for their benefit, right? So when you think about those videos, have all of those videos maybe on one page on your website that won't ever change. And that's the link that the book goes to, but where they're all embedded for people to access in one resource guide or something along those lines, right? And so understand that a book is only one part of the journey, right? All the rest of it still exists. And it's really no matter where anybody finds you, we want them to number one, know what numerology is. Number two, be really excited about it. And then number three, be like, I want to install that. And so that's exactly how I would do it. And so then when I'm marketing it, I'm not out here trying to tell people to buy the book. I'm like, I'll just show you. No, like you either want to see it or you don't. So come watch my 10 minute video and I'll help you identify every area of your life, understand your numerology and show you two ways you can use it today, whether you buy my book or not. That's how I think. That's how I answer every question. And so for me, that's exactly how I would go about building the book without getting into the specifics of how you put those things in there. But knowing how you laid it out to me too and the phases that you went through, you have a beautiful model and process there. And it's probably very similar to what you take all of your one-on-one -on -one clients through. 
uh, or your other people through. So that is just the same journey, just at a smaller scale where you're installing the rest of the pieces. Love it. I love it. I love the video at the front end piece because I had thought about the video at the back, like after you purchase the book, yeah. the video for deeper examples, yeah. whatever. Um, but I love the concept of putting them at the front end. Uh, here's the thing. I'm going to, I'm going to say this and I'll say this to you. And I don't think I've said this to anybody on a podcast or publicly people need to feel safe to have any emotional based decision. Every purchase, every follow, every opt-in, every phone call, every zoom call is an emotional based decision. Right. And so in order for a human being to feel safe, they need to collect evidence, but evidence comes from being in a relationship. And so a relationship is not built on how it's built on what you believe, why you believe it and who you are. And so if we don't do it on the front, it actually doesn't give people the evidence needed to actually make a decision to come in. Most of the time it creates a pain point exacerbation of memorize. I might want to buy this book and then they buy it, never read it and don't get the results. Right. And so we forget that people look at us, they model us. I mean, Sharfin talks about this. The art of mass movement talks about that. Every, every single marketer program thing in the world talks about movement, but movements are based on beliefs. Like people have to see themselves in it. They have to see what it is for them, why it matters to them. And they have to see that way before they can ever raise their hand and ask how to apply it for them. And so in that lens, in my opinion, video belongs everywhere on the front and all those relationship points belong everywhere on the front because it's the evidence that's required for it to even work. And yeah. so that would be there for them to feel safe, like, holy crap, I want that book. I can see that for me. I want to do that. And so I feel like the more awarenesses and touch points you have, the more touch points people have for evidence as well. Oh, numerology. Oh, that is right. Oh, that's consistent. God, she is this. Ah, every time she speaks, it lands. It's but right. It it all starts to add up because no customer journey is linear. They're all dynamic. They they jump around, and so we can't control the journey, but we can control the inputs at every single touch point. Yeah. And so, if you give me the option to put a piece of text there, a picture there, or install my face on a video, I'm putting a fucking video there. So I can capitalize on the other 94% of communication that's not written, right? Like, and give people that evidence. Like, that's how I think about it. And I also think about the nature of your work and how that will also most likely attract and bring the most incredible connected people because you're also modeling and embodying the after state of the book. And so it just becomes a lot of aspirational evidence, right? Simon Bowen talks about this all the time. When people come to us, they only come to us because they want to win and we make it aspirational for them, but nobody wants average. They borrow our belief in their, in themselves and then take our plan where we're like, hey, you can get there faster and better. And then that's what they borrow to start installing it. That's what they're really taking. And so they have the more evidence they can see themselves in it the better it is for them. And so for me, I'm like that evidence is modeling, but also give them evidence, like give them the clarity, right? The more they understand numerology, the more they understand themselves, the more excited they would be to pick up their hand and, and go read the book. And so I'm just, I'm just always with like, for lack of better analogy, I heard Derek Helper and say this years ago, he said, give away the house and sell the backyard. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. the best way I can describe how I think. Because in that world, everybody wins. I love it. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. Right. It's it's given me, it's it, this is good timing too, because the book's not totally done yet. So I can, mm -hmm. this is definitely going to form the completion. I love it. I love it. And I love, I love the intention in your question and the thought as well. Right. And so I think the last thing I'll say before I move on to Mr. Nathan is, um, I think a lot of the times people look at books as like isolated things, uh, like they're this, this separate vein that like it's its own thing, but really it's not. It should be the same thing that leads people back into your ecosystem or into their world through you, right? Like it's not just this book that somebody should read and put on the shelf. Like you want it to be a book that somebody writes in and earmarks and highlights and comes back to and rereads like mm -hmm. 
And that that makes it a part of the experience that anchors them into your movement and their beliefs and, and all of it that associate them with you. So like, yeah, I mean, they're in, they're incredibly powerful, but I will tell you this. They are not business cards. I yeah. can't stand when people say that. I can't yeah. stand it. No. And Jesse Krieger, our old boy, he would go on a rant about this one, our old publisher. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for that question. We'll be back to you in a few for your little tippy tip for us. Thanks, I'm sir. so stoked. All right, Nathan. Go ahead, Ash. Uh, one thing that is so interesting about this conversation. So one of the things that I do almost every single day is I go into George's Facebook memories and pull old content from it. And I don't know if you know this, Megan, but you sh quoted uh, uh, George in a post of yours a year ago today. I remember because about... I saw it this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and George, what you said is ultimately what a consumer needs to feel to buy is safety. And she wrote a whole post about that. And so you re-reminding her was such a beautiful like reconnection and wheel from like a year ago today of her listening to a podcast episode of yours. Wow. That makes me happy. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Ashley. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was so good. All right, Nathan. All right. So my ask is, and I actually kind of changed why we're all talking, but um, so my ask is, should I start a course for how to start a podcast like A to Z? And then even when I'm going to plan to do, I would, I, I don't really care. Cause you just said it. It's like, give them the house is I'd even tell people, and this would be a free course too, how to rank the podcast into the top 100, which is like kind of like IP stuff, but you know, who cares? Okay. So the question is, should I make a free course and give it away to everybody? Yeah. Okay. Whose problem are you solving? And once it's solved, what is their next step? So for people that are having an issue with uh, wanting to start a podcast, yeah. and then what it's doing is it's getting them past that, that fear, right? And then it's getting them past all the tech, all the crap, you know? And then it's getting them to like, okay, now I got this podcast. Cool. Now it's like a machine and it's, you know, it, it, it's bringing us in leads and stuff like that. But I don't have the time to be editing this. I don't have the time to be marketing it. Yep. Here you go, Nate. Yeah. So you're trying to create your customer like a year in the future. Essentially. Okay. But right now in the lens of your business, there's probably priority a little bit closer than a year that's more prevalent and important. Yes. Yes. So to answer your question, the question would be a yes and when you earn it. Okay. Not when it's a distraction that you think is going to create a result that magically isn't there. Gotcha. Because on the same vein you can go grab three YouTube videos that teach people how to launch a podcast from scratch that are better than you could record and teach. And then you could record one video in five minutes overviewing your thoughts on it and laying out how they can do it and send that to everybody now. And that would be done in 20 minutes versus six weeks. Yeah. Because the goal, and I do want everybody to hear this, the goal is to get them the result. My yep. ego used to think it always had to be my information. It does not. That makes it about me, not them. There is a reason that I quote more other people than myself. Not only are they better than me and smarter than me, their models work better than mine do. And why the hell would I try to recreate something that works so well when I can just give them credit and help people use the tool better? And then as a byproduct, each one of them emails us and asks to come on our podcast. Right? And so we're trying to get them the result. It doesn't mean that we have to have all the ingredients in our pantry if they exist already. Like, mm -hmm. why would I go have somebody reread the catalyst when Jonah made a worksheet and I can hand it to them and have them answer the questions, right? If I And so just like I didn't want to remake that, that worksheet. So what I would say, Nate, is like thinking about who your ideal client is, because I'm going to answer this for you since you didn't give context, but this will give context to everybody. Um, 
because I know you and love you because you're in the Alliance and you're my boy. Um, but your dream avatar, like think about the client that you have right now, one or two clients that you have or have had that you love, right? And you're like, they're my best ones, right? Like, you know what they look like. You know what their business looks like. And here's what's crazy, Nate. You know where to find them. But instead of finding them, you want to go make a course for free people that aren't them. So bucket number one, make a list of those people and start moving the needle, Nate, and stretching. And so instead of spinning your card, spin the Rolodex of your phone. Do you hear me? Yes. And I love that it's a mind of George relationships with algorithms card. It's a really good anchor. Now it's going to be anchored. And every time you spin it, use the Rolodex in that bucket. So then Nate, the reason I'm saying that though, is you know who that person is, right? Mm -hmm. So who is the person right before them and what problem are they having? Right? Like if you really think about this in the lens of customer journey, Right. Like, you know who your avatar is and there's people that you've talked to that are so close and they've been like, I can't, I can't. They didn't say I can't because I don't know how to launch a podcast, did they? Yeah. Well, no, the wrong ones, but the ones that are really close to your right ones probably were like, oh, I want to do it with my own team or I want to build my own team or it's easier for me to edit it myself. Right. Okay, so let's have a real conversation and not a made up conversation. Those are the problems that you need to solve, not giving somebody a free podcast course. Okay. All these mean is that they can't see the benefit in their life or their business, but they're still your client, Nate, them or other people like them because you guys do an incredible service in editing people's podcasts, right? And you care immensely to the point where it's your family business. Like I know this, right? But you have to protect your gift, but you also have to solve the challenges when the right people stop working because there's a whole pool of people right here. Whole pool of people that are a conversation away with you. They just can't see themselves in it or they're under too much constraint and it actually feels harder to change because you've read the book, The Catalyst. The endowment chapter talks about how people want to change, but feel stuck because there's so much evidence in their life that makes it feel like they can't. In their lens, it's their business. So Nate, where do I live? I live in that bucket. I try to create solutions for people's endowment in their current problems. And so when a lot of people think they have giant customer journey problems, they don't. And so when I can show them they can fix it easier, it doesn't feel so hard and they actually get the result, right? Because it, it used to be overwhelming when I taught it. And so that's what you want to think about. So like, even if they aren't your client and you had an hour, what would you give them to help them based on the conversation you had with them? I mean, I would give them resources. of Like, like what? The yeah, to achieve what? Like to achieve what outcome? Whatever their goal is. Yeah, but you're the one that's supposed to be helping them get to that goal, right? Oh, so, yeah. So like, these are the people that were like, hey, I'd rather have my team do it. Or yeah. I don't feel like I'm ready for this, right? That just means they couldn't see the benefit, right? But in that mm -hmm. conversation, you probably heard holes in their podcast or things that would get in the way because most of the people probably want a top ranking show and they want their assets to look and feel a certain way and they yep. want them to be on brand and be consistent and congruent. And so you're not selling editing, Nate, at all. No. You're you're selling their beautiful wrapping paper to the world that literally expresses who they authentically are in a way that lands for them and their audience. Mm -hmm. And then most of the time, your clients want more of that. And the one thing that's getting in the way of them doing more of it is the one thing that you do, which is edit it for them. And so you just get to help people see how they can produce more or get more of those results and how you get to buy that time back. But I'm saying this to you, Nate, because you get, you talk to so many people, so many people, like, you know, about people's podcasts, businesses, you're super, super connected. You know, all of these challenges and problems. I think you're trying to solve them in the wrong bucket. Yeah. And you need to solve them in the bucket where you belong in. And when this bucket is full, and there's a team running this bucket, then this bucket gets created 
to help people come into this bucket, right? Got it. But I have to earn it. You have to earn it, bro. You have to earn it. Just like I have to earn it when, you know, you close a mastermind and start it over, close a company and start again. Like there's no like, just like when I deleted all my social media followers and I started this podcast and I was like, oh yeah, it's going to take off right away. Nope. Three years later, it finally did. And I was like, oh, same lessons. Okay. Same lessons. Got to earn it. Got to show up. Right. So what do you got? Oh, I was just going to add to that too. And then you, you have to stay consistent with it after yeah. that. Like you can't just disappear um, or say you kind of like lose purpose and, and it, that all comes through Yep. and it, it it's, it's noticeable. And that's why like what I, and I'll, I guess this is my help for people is like, yeah, sure now. Do, do the, do when you're creating content or when you're creating a podcast episode, do the two for me, one for them, two for me, one for them. Cause then that's going to fill your bucket. You're going to bring joy and happiness to you. You're not going to get taken away from the podcast to be like, man, I have to go record this right now. So what do you mean two for me? What, what do you mean by that? So whatever brings you happiness and joy, maybe it's something ah. you're learning. Maybe it's something that's um, fascinating for you. Maybe yeah. it's, Maybe it's like you just took a shot. You're reading a book. Say it's the catalyst. You reach out to the to the author, and they actually jump on the podcast to be like, "Yeah, let's let's do a podcast about it." And then you're like, "Oh my god, geeked out!" But mm -hmm. you know, but it's something that like you're learning, you can take away from this. But then it's also something the yeah. audience can learn. So it fills your bucket. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I one of my best friends, uh, Brad Costanza, said a long time ago. He's like, I only, I only started a podcast so I could have conversations with people who wouldn't let me in the room, and then I became friends with all of them. And I was like, God, that's genius. And he's like, Yeah, it was perfect. And I was like, Got it. Yep. And then the key to that, even after that, is just keeping that relationship open. You know, yes. keeping like tabs on like. Maybe they, their wife had a birthday or something like that. Maybe their husband had a birthday, their son had a birthday. You know, if you got their address and you know, so, you know, that that's coming up, you can send something. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll plug you George for this. It's like, you can send them a punk post. Yep. Punk post. And, and you know, just send them a little card and it's like, dude, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I, I really, really appreciate that tip. And I'm going to wrap this and Trisha, it's coming to you in a second. Um, uh, and then right now, before we go on anymore, Nate, cause you gave your tip, can you let everyone know where to find you on Instagram? Yes. Yeah, so it's the podcast underscore doc, the podcast then, or doc. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, my podcast, which I had to step away just because like, I just told you guys, it was the purpose wasn't there anymore. Yep. Yep. Started to become something else. So I stepped away. It's going to come back, but it's the healthcare hacks and connections. There's over 150 episodes there though. Nice. Nice. So I'd say every Instagram is probably the best place. So it's the podcast underscore doc. And so if you guys yep. have any podcast questions, anything like that, hit him up for sure. Um, and on one thing um, that you said about relationships, right? Like I'll share this story because we have a guest coming on the podcast that accidentally ended up on the show, but I'm a fan and I looked at our Instagram history and for the last four years, I've tagged him numerous times in stories, honoring him, thanking him. And then he did a post last week saying open to going on podcasts. My Lindsay sent me a screenshot. I sent him a DM and he said, yes. And I looked at like the history and I was like, oh yeah. And then I ended up interviewing one of his friends and it all adds up. But like, you got to invest in relationships. They're not a one and done thing, right? It's just like the nature of your business, the relationships with your clients. There's not a set it and forget it. There's not a one workout that works, right? They're relationships. And so we always have to make these edits and adjustments. And so I appreciate your insights, Nate, and sharing all that. Thanks for asking. So Trisha, from the from the drive in the, in the beautiful mountains in New Hampshire. I've made it. I'm in the driveway. I'm at the bottom of the driveway. I have to hike up. It's too snowy to get up in, in my car. I'll get, get you up there in a few minutes. It's okay. It's better. It's more comfortable in the car right now than it is out in the six degree weather. So yes. it's okay. <laughs> so my question is, um, I work with creative ones. Uh, I'm a flutist and conductor myself and now a business coach for, um, for creative 
people. And I have a new program that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. Uh, and it's going to be a, a big deal. I can make a real big difference with this program. <clears throat> so the challenge is I can see myself doing it. I understand what the program, how, how it will be implemented. But my problem is getting from concept from conception to implementation the the journey in between the two i end up deer in the headlights staring into space and having this overwhelm that i know you and i have talked about overwhelm before but i i end up with this overwhelm where i'm not getting it done and i was hoping to launch it at the end of this month and now i'm it just keeps not uh, so how yeah. do i get past the yeah. overwhelm for this project that i can see it in its completion and now i have to get there okay I love you for asking this question and I applaud you. I honor you and I appreciate you. I'm going to lead the horse here for me personally, Trisha. This is a muscle that I still get to flex every day. And I don't think this one goes away in what I'm, I'm learning and experiencing. Right. And so here's, I'm going to answer it with a story and then I'll answer it specifically. So the story part, I gave a keynote once to prove this exact point. And I had two iPhones on me. I had a brand new one and I had the first one. And I told somebody if they answered my, or they were the first one to put their hands up, I'd give them the choice of choosing a new phone. But if I, if they didn't choose the one I wanted them to choose, they wouldn't win it. And they're like, oh yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, you win a brand new iPhone. They're like, amazing. I was like, wow, but wait, before I let you choose, which one do you want? And I held up the iPhone 14 Pro Max and he's, I'm like this one. And then I held up the iPhone one. And he's like, well, I want the new one. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because that one's old and it sucks and it's big and it's my every reason. And I said, yes, but without this, this wouldn't exist. Right? This is what we need, Trisha. Not this. Right. Version one. Not <laughs> 100, 1,000, or I'm opening up a grand symphony orchestra in front of 5 million people for my first time, like one version one. So here's how I would answer this. Number one is it sounds like you are crystal clear on the outcome that they can achieve and how you can get them there. Right. Yeah. Now yes, in building it all, it sounds like it's getting a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. Okay. So how I would normally answer this, I would say, imagine like you sit in your house, you do whatever, imagine you have like six of them sitting in front of you, mm. like sitting in front of you. And I was like, okay, cool, Trisha. If you had all six of them sitting in front of you, how long would it take for you to get them from beginning to, to end in everything you want to teach them? And you might be like three hours, two hours, whatever, right? Like amazing. If you can see that, all you do is all you have to do is record it once. And you don't use that, but that becomes your map because you can start to break it down, but you can see it all, right? And I think everybody obsesses about this. We have to remember that when people want to learn something, they want to change something, they don't want it to be hard. Nobody wants hard. They don't want 87 videos, 77 emails. They want easy. They want relief. They want the first bite, right? And so I even think about that in the lens of content to where I'm like, oh, I could take an hour to teach you this, but I could also teach it to you in five minutes and have it be just as effective, right? And so what you want to identify is like, what are the, the ingredients that you need, Trisha, just to get them to that outcome, right? And so maybe you're teaching, what are you teaching them? Uh, it's actually for um, ensemble yep. and it's going to be, about it's going to be a, a marketing piece about how to develop an audience using the members of the ensemble and the ensemble itself. Oh, amazing. So yeah. yeah. So oh, yes, God, amazing. I love it. So with how well you can articulate that my brain even heard in that like three or four things and phases that you have to teach them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All you need to do is identify those four phases and get the minimum viable ingredient. Like for me, it's always video because if you sit down to go record it, you're going to be like, what do I need to get this across? So I might need to write this down or I might need to draw this. But once you have it, that becomes your recipe. And then you can 
smooth it. You can massage it. You can add PDFs and be like, I want to redo that video or I could have said that better. Great. You're going to get all that feedback once it's done. We just need that first part of the product. And so sounds like if you're going to teach ensembles on how to use built-in ensemble members for marketing things, then number one is they're going to have to know marketing, uh, right. have an ensemble, right? And then know how to put these plans together. So yeah. you probably have like, you know, three to four. And I what I would do is think about it if like, how I think about these things is if I'm like, okay, I have 10 of my dream people sitting in a room for me and I have eight hours to teach them this because that's what it would be on video, right? And I'm like, how would I chunk up the day, right? If I have to give them pee breaks right. and a lunch break and let's say my max session is only like 90 minutes. Well, I have four 90 minute sessions. And if we did it in person, we'd be like, this is session one, this is session two, this is session three, this is session four. So that's- mm -hmm version one version two is to tell a few people that you have this and you love this and make them your audience on zoom and record you teaching it to them in section one section two section three and section four and then you create it with them which i would highly recommend because then you have the audience that's going to give you feedback to feel confident in what you're teaching and then you can make adjustments because they're in there with you. And it's probably a group of four or five people. And then yeah. you use them to get them to the result and then see how long it took. Or was it three videos? Was it five videos? And then that becomes your recipe. Those are the two ways that I would do it. The second way is the way I always do it. That is the way that I live. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's great. I even know... I, I even know a group that I could yep. do that with probably this week. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That that's it. That's it. That's what it is. That's what it is. And for you particularly, it will also prevent the overwhelm of deer and headlights because they're uh, your audience is in front of you. Yeah. And so I I will say that like I still sometimes find it challenging to record solo podcasts. Like to this day, and I've done thousands of them. And mm -hmm. it's like, I almost like have to pretend I'm talking to myself. And it's a really weird, weird thing to be your own active listener and then get caught in that head trap. But I know like for you, as soon as you get into progress here, then the deer in the headlights goes away because you start chunking it down. And so I think by putting them in front of you and, and reaching out to them ASAP and it'll bring you all the bits and pieces of clarity that you need. And then they'll give you most components that, you know, a lot of people want, which is like, they'll tell you like, oh my God, this landed or this was more important or, oh, this made so much sense. And they're helping yeah. you out exactly what lands and what makes it effective. Yeah. Yeah. So do it first. <laughs> Basically do it. Do it. Yeah. yeah. I did. Yeah. A, I did a podcast on this years ago. I think I, I said in the intro, Kevin Costner lied to you. Field of dreams is bullshit. If you build it, they don't come. You have to build it with them. And it was around this topic because I fell into this trap for years. I would spend six months building a program. And by the time I was done, nobody wanted it anymore because I built something for me and not for them. And I was more obsessed yeah. with how many videos I made instead of the outcome and, and massaging it and adjusting it. Right. And so we talk about speed in entrepreneurship. The really the speed is protecting the outcome not the how we get them there, right? And that allows us to be like, oh my God, I have clear, I have a test kitchen. I have this crazy idea for a recipe. Trisha, you see me do this all the time. I'm like, hey, I have an idea. I need 20 of you to send me a message because this video seems overwhelming to me. And then I got all of the feedback from that video and I was like, yeah, I can't send that out publicly. I need to break that down. This should be taught better here, right? And so the more that you can just get your, your wheels in the water, like are on the road, right? Or just get into your own ensemble a lot faster. You can make adjustments than if you just sit back at the beginning of the race. Right. Right. Because, and, and if I did it the way that I, my brain has been saying, if I create it first, then I might've created something that isn't as effective as if I just get in there and start working. And, and Trisha, the reason I'll say this as to the why, and this might benefit people listening, the reason that is such a big deal is when we make it for us, we forget how far away we are from someone else's before state. And we mm -hmm. almost make a gap that feels like they can't bridge it. Yeah. 
right? Like that genuinely, genuinely happens because like, for example, I sat down and wrote a keynote for an audience, right? Like not wrote it, but I was like, here's the three topics I'm going to talk about, right? And I was like, this is not enough for this audience. Like they're going to hate this, right? These are all eight figure entrepreneurs. I got done and they're like, that should be an entire day for this audience. And you need to come back and talk more. And I was like, oh, and I, I painted this picture in my brain and somehow ended up in this bucket of like, boom, boom, boom. And they checked me on it. But it's just that when you're in it with them, you can meet them where they are, Trisha, and not worry about like if they get it or don't and make adjustments because it's the feedback that you need. So yeah, I think that's the most powerful part. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that helps a lot. Thank you. Of course. Well, Trisha, do you have a tip for everybody since you're up? I do have a tip and it kind of goes along with what you just said. I work with creative ones. They're all artists and musicians and um, and they are really overwhelmed by marketing. And so I'm all about storytelling and creating relationships with your audience. And, um, and, and what I tell my people all the time is to remember that your, your audience is not in your pond. They're not swimming in the same stream as you are. So... <clears throat> All those things that you think are boring or mundane or not important are the things that you have to tell your audience. One of my clients had the most response by just showing her easel and the storage container she has next to the easel. She thought it was silly and she kind of did it to prove a point to me that it's so silly. And it created so much interest because people don't know what it is behind the scenes for a musician or a composer or a writer or any of us creative ones. And so those little tiny details that we think are are, um, ludicrous, um, even for musicians, a really hard one is even your practice time. If, you, if they don't want to be heard playing badly, but a lot of times if people can hear, you know, this note squeaks if I don't practice it this way and you show that on a video and then they hear a beautiful performance, they appreciate it more. So that's my thing is to remember for, for creative ones in particular, remember your audience is not in your stream. They don't understand the magic behind it and they need to. That is, I'm gonna, I'm glad you said that. And I said nothing to the lens of that caliber or wisdom because you nailed it. I'll just put a scripture statement bow on it and say, always show them, don't tell them. And Trisha, it also inspired me because in that same lens, it reminds me of all the simple things that we do every day that we take for granted that our dream customers don't yet do that they could benefit from knowing or having or having in their life. And so um, that is so amazing. I love that. And I accidentally went over a little bit of time. And so uh, the good news is though, Miss Megan um, had to jump and Megan, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you. And Miss Megan will be coming back on the podcast because her book question (laughs) got me inspired to talk about numerology. So we're going to have her come back and we're going to do an entire episode. And and just because apparently, Ashley, do you want to tell everybody my new nickname? You guys might appreciate this, right? Go ahead. It is chocolate chip. I'm chocolate chip now. Mm-hmm. Tell them, tell them why, Ash. Tell them why. So the reason why I came up with chocolate chip uh, has actually nothing to do with the fact that George loves chocolate chip pancakes, and that's one of my favorite memories of us is eating chocolate chip pancakes together. But uh, more so because sometimes George can be melty, not leaky, not in that sense, melty in a very soft way. And the best part is, is that once you melt down, you can be formed and put into any kind of mold that you would like to be. And if you don't like that mold, then you can go ahead and like remelt yourself again and go back into another mold again. So I cried. So I took it. I'll take it. Chocolate chip. It sticks. It's official. Um, so Ash, I just want to kind of, before I put a bow on the episode, I would just kind of want to wrap with your one tip for everybody, because you get to ask me questions on any podcast all the time. And we love doing those together. Um, I would love to hear from you of like what your like one tip, your one takeaway, your one piece of wisdom as the strong, powerful woman in my life you are for everybody else's. I would say that it is very interesting to be on this side of the seat 
because the things that you talk about and going back into your Facebook memories and watching old videos and like I looked up that podcast episode that you mentioned and that was your second podcast you ever aired. And what's so interesting is that these principles that you talk about, you've been talking about forever. You've been living them forever. You've been doing them for your entire 40 years of existence. And so I would say my tip is, is that when you hear it more than once, it's your reminder. It's your reminder because sometimes like when we consume a lot of content, it like kind of flows in and flows out. But my rule of thumb is that when I hear you say it twice, that's when I'm like, oh, this is really, really important because it's come back out of you twice because nothing you say is scripted. No, no. I still don't think people believe us, but nothing's scripted. You just stick a quarter in me and it all comes out. <laughs> yeah. And what's so cool is that it doesn't always come out the same way, which mm-hmm. makes it so powerful and it lands differently. And even with like, I don't know, I think I might be working on my PhD of George. And with that, uh, it's so interesting because every time you speak, it lands differently for me, even on the same concepts and principles. Wow. So that's my tip. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you for your tip, uh, inspiring my tears of gratitude that landed for me. Mm-hmm. Always <laughs> happy to fill your bucket. That one, that one landed for me. And is a like, that one kicked me in the gut a little bit and I needed my own medicine. So I appreciate that one, Miss Ashley. Thank you. And it landed on my heart for many, many reasons. So, um, so for everybody listening, um, I would actually, I have a selfish ask because, uh, number one, Ash, we have to do this once a month. The end. Me, you, and three friends. The end. My bucket is so full. Podcast people, I hope you love it. If you don't, it's just coming as a bonus episode as to what we already have then because I love it. And this was really, really fun for me. Um, Nathan and Trisha, thank you so much. Trisha, where can everybody find you? Uh, two, two places on Facebook, Creative as Entrepreneurs. Um, and my group that I do, my free group for creative ones to want to get into it is called Businessy Stuff for Creative Ones. Businessy Stuff for Creative Ones. Yeah. I love it. I'll make sure that we link to those in the in the show notes. And then Nathan, we have yours, which is the podcast underscore doc, right? On Instagram. Yep, exactly. Okay, amazing. And then you guys have mine. And so I would love though, anybody listening to the show, um, shoot us a DM. Like I would love to hear any feedback. If you liked this, uh, if this was supportive, if you'd love to come on and do one, like this was so much fun. And I I genuinely thank you all for doing this with me. This was an absolute blast. So no, of course, of course. So with that, we're going to put a bow in the show. Um, so for everybody listening, uh, if you haven't, please make sure you subscribe. Oh, before I forget, event tickets are out and they are selling. Uh, and you will see a few of our Alliance members there and a lot of a lot of other people. So go to minorgeorge.com slash event. And I promise you, you're going to want to go check out the tickets because we redid them all and it's bananas. I'll just leave it at bananas in Dallas. And so minorgeorge.com slash event. And then of course, if you would like to come join a few of these beautiful people who are in our Alliance and the rest of us. Shoot me a message on Instagram that says Alliance and tell me all the reasons why you don't. And I'll just tell you I love you and we'll still be friends anyways. But either way, I hope everybody has a beautiful, beautiful day. Enjoy wherever it is. Take a moment to breathe. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms, especially the one with yourself. So I will either see you guys in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs because this is Mr. Melty Chocolate Chips signing off.